Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking Smack podcast presented by the Griffcast here at Canisius College. The final four is this weekend. We will talk all about that. We will talk about some big head coaching hires and moves in the coaching carousel that have happened over the last few days. So let's get right into it. My name is Aiden Jolly alongside Adam Korsky. Let's do it. announcement this morning coming out of North Carolina. Roy Williams has announced his retirement from the Tar Heels. Uh, He spent, I believe it was 13 years there. He won three national championships. Um, Probably behind Dean Smith, the second most um, successful head coach. Uh, He had been their head coach since 2003. Um, probably the most successful head coach behind Dean Smith that they've ever had. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, growing up in, you know, I was born in 2000, so right. I've pretty much only known Roy Williams at North Carolina. So it's uh, it's pre- pretty pretty crazy that, you know, this is, this is the, I guess this is the reality we're in. I mean, the fact that it happened on April Fool's Day, I mean, I first right. read it and I was like, oh, <laughs> they're just messing with me, right? I mean, this isn't, there's no way this yeah. is real. But uh yeah, sure enough, uh, press conference was earlier today um, where I was getting emotional a little bit, just kind of talking about his time yeah. there. And um, yeah, that's it's a, I hate to say it's a stunner because I mean, he was older. He was getting up there in age and he's, he's been there a while. Yeah, 70. 70. He was getting up there and he's been there a while. Um, so it's not like, you know, he's retiring at age like 55, but right. Um, yeah, it, it'll be, it's just strange that, you know, such a staple of the, you know, of North Carolina. And like, you know, you think of the Duke, North Carolina rivalry, at least for me, like I said, being born in 2000, it's Krzyzewski right. and Roy Williams. Like, you know, that's, right. that's like the, the matchup every, every time that they play each other. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really just, it, it, it's, it's a surprise. It definitely hit me as a surprise. And um, I think, I think it'll be missed, you know, I'm not sure who North Carolina will necessarily go after. I think the last tweet I saw. As I, I, I have a couple of names in mind. Okay. Um, but I'll get to those in a second. It sounded like in his press conference, I, I didn't watch his press conference, um, but I did, I did, you know, follow tweets about it. And it said, it seemed like the past two seasons have really taken a toll on him this year and last year. And that he had really thought about, um, the 2019-20 season being his last year, but North Carolina went 14 and 19. They were six and 14 in the ACC. He said he didn't want to go out on that note, mm-hmm. and uh, so he decided to stay one more year. And uh, they had a first round exit this year, um, but I think this is um, a respectable way for him to go out. Obviously, again, like you said, he'll be missed. Uh, the two names that I have been thinking of, and I have one more um, kind of out there name, but he's been thrown around a little bit on Twitter a bit today, but I think the two big names for this are one, Hubert Davis, um, the top assistant in North Carolina. He's kind of been speculated as the heir apparent there. Um, he is, I believe, 50 years old. Uh, he has been at North Carolina since 2012. Um, he played there from 1988 to, ni- to 1992. Um, like I said, he's been there since 2012 as an, as an assistant coach. 
The other one is West Miller, uh, the current head coach at UNC Greensboro. Uh, he is 38 years old. He's been at North. He's been at UNCG since 2011. So he's 38 years old with almost a decade of head coaching experience. Um, he played for Roy Williams at North Carolina. It was from 2003 to 2007. He was kind of a role guy um, for them. So I think right now those guys are the two favorites yeah. for the job because especially North Carolina is one of those programs that likes to keep it in the family for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And I think both of those guys have the connections um, and ties to the North, Col- the North Carolina program to potentially get that head coaching job. Yeah, no, I, I just kind of, I was just going to say, speaking of, you know, what you mentioned with the Carolina family, um, this is from Jed, Jeff Goodman uh, about 10 minutes ago, uh, the UNCAD Bubba Cunningham said keeping the job in the Carolina fam- family is important, but not the only factor. Uh, he will not hire a search form. And he also said that he wants to move quickly because he understands that UNC could lose guys to the transfer portal. Right. So they've already lost a couple guys. A couple, they had a couple guys that have decommitted in the past couple weeks. And I, I noticed it last week. I was like, wow, North Carolina is losing guys. Could Roy be on his way out? And I'm like, no, probably not. He's probably got like one or two more years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, I, I thought he had a couple years left. So for the most part, this surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think really just the timing of it too. I mean, right. I, you know, they'd been knocked out of the tournament for what now, two weeks, pretty About much. Two weeks so, now. Yeah. Um, you know, normally when this kind of thing happens, it's relatively quickly after, you know, you, you get eliminated or at least, I mean, right. maybe, maybe not in every case, but I would say, I would argue a majority of the time it's relatively, you know, maybe within that week. So um, it was, it was a little surprising. That was a little surprising to me at least. Um, but yeah, either way, we're living in a world now that, uh, that Roy Williams is not the head coach at UNC. Right. So it's a right. uh, l- little strange, a little strange, but you it know, is, as you is. said, those two names are definitely um, ones that I could see, um, you know, and as you said, that's, they've kind of been speculated on. So um we'll see it's definitely probably the most i i guess the the, the biggest headline job right now that, that that's uh, available I, I would, so i would agree with that yeah um yeah i guess i guess we could transition uh third, speaking, i want to i want to say the third name oh, oh my bad my bad my bad i, didn't mean to cut I off. think if you were for this guy this would be the only job he would leave his current job to take and that is Mark Few. Oh. oh. His name has been thrown around on Twitter a little bit today. Oh. I think this is the one job he would leave Gonzaga to take. Oh, now that's interesting. Yes. You think he would – oh, man. I mean, if Gonzaga wins the Natty, I don't know. That's That right. would be pretty that, wild if they win the national yeah. championship and he says, all right, see you later after all the time he's been there, that would be interesting. That would be, well, number one, that would be if North Carolina somehow could pull that off, that's a slam dunk higher, first of all. Right. And number two, that would be a stunner for him leaving Gonzaga with, right. you know, the program he's built. Um, I would have to think North Carolina would have to roll up multiple Brinks trucks to right. have him even <laughs> consider leaving Gonzaga. But um, that would be, that would be a pretty crazy hire. Um, right. I don't want to say that it would happen. I think that I think I if think Gonzaga I'm to say if Gonzaga wins the national championship, I think that's just outlandish at that point. But right. 
I mean, say they get upset by UCLA or they lose in the championship or whatever, you know, I, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that door could creak open if they, you know, if they reach out, but yeah, that would be, that would be a crazy one. That would definitely be a crazy one. I saw some Vegas odds and this is funny because it's not going to happen. It was like plus 3 million for Rasheed Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be hilarious. Oh my God. I throw, I throw a buck on that, man. Hey, that's, those are great (laughs) odds. You kidding me? That's hilarious. Uh, Yeah. So we'll talk about another, this was a home run hire um, that happened this morning as well. Chris Beard is leaving Texas Tech to take the job at Texas. He is replacing Shaka Smart, who went to Marquette. Yeah. That is a hell of a hire for the world. That is a slam, speaking of slam dunk, uh, slam dunk hires, that is a slam dunk hire right there. Oh my gosh. I love that hire for Texas. Um, obviously you brought it when they brought in a shock smart, that's a big thing. You know what I mean? And right. he couldn't get anything done. I think them technically he didn't get fired. You know, it was kind of, I, you know, I'm not sure if there was ever an official statement of them, like splitting ways no, as much no, as it was, was, he just there went was. to Marquette. He, he, he left for Marquette on his own, which, yeah. which was probably a good thing for both sides yeah it was it was because you know it would have been you know the whole oh we've mutually parted ways and you know all the the technical speak so yeah i do i agree with you i think that that was probably the best situation for both sides but um yeah i think that chris beard you you know the evidence speaks for itself with what he's done at texas tech i mean he has completely revamped that program made them a bright contender um so yeah, it really, it really does not get any better for Texas in that hire. And obviously they had a lot of talent on this roster this year, bringing in a guy like Chris Beard, who can just continue to build with that talent, bring in even potentially more talent. Um, I think Texas has the potential to become a perennial top 10 team with him there. I really do. I, I, I do too. I think this is a hire that's going to work out. I mean, he built that Texas tech program. He, for, he took over at Texas Tech for Tubby Smith, <laughs> Tubby who, Smith. I mean, they – That's a name. Tubby Smith is Tubby Smith. That's but, a name. <laughs> he's at High Point. Yeah, he is. I forgot about that. Yeah, he is at High and, Point. And uh, he, he turned that program around from a program that sat mid-pack at best in the Big 12 every year to a program that's top 20, top 15 in the country. And now he's going to take the job at Texas, which Texas – has more resources than Texas Tech, for lack of a better term. And I think this could be something that ends up working out really well. I think Texas could be a national title contender every single year under Chris Beard. I really do. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm in 100% agreement. So, yeah, so that's so that's that on Texas. We'll hit one more um, that happened over the weekend. And this one was um, – not so much a slam dunk hire. Ah. Indiana has hired Mike Woodson as their uh, head coach. Oh my lord, man! <laughs> I my my hearts go out to the Indiana fans, man. They really thought they were getting Brad Stevens. They really they really thought they were getting Brad really Stevens, did. and they they end up with Mike Woodson. Um, if I'm not Mike as Woodson has no. Oh yeah, as true. You can speak. Fan. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, he has no college coaching experience. As no, far he as has I know, never correct? coached in college. Yeah. So, I 
I don't he know. He brought in Thad Mata as some, he's, I, I don't think he's an official assistant coach, but he's like some type of advisor. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good thing. But the thing yeah. is like, Mike Woodson is a, he can coach the X's and O's. Unfortunately, in college, that's like 25% of the job. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I guess to be a glass half full kind of guy, you can say, well, he's never coached college. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll be good. You know, who, who knows? But I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pour that glass out right now and just say I really yeah. do not think that this will go very well. Um, I think Indiana will either maybe imp- – I, I don't even know. I, I just imagine they'll probably stay around the level the level they're at right now, which is just if below that. average in the Big Ten. Yeah, if that, like you know, just a right. below average team in the in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, I guess time will tell. Maybe he can somehow, some way, string this string something together and you know, bring Indiana back to the glory days. But um, I see no evidence no, for I mean, myself Mike, Mike that Woodson, <laughs> he can pull that off. Mike Woodson is sixty three years old. So he's he's not there for the long. Yeah, he's sixty three years old. He's not there for the long. Plain and simple. He hasn't. He has never coached in college, like you said. He hasn't had a head coaching job since twenty fourteen at any level. He's in his NBA career. He's fifty games under five hundred. Yeah, and he wasn't. And he wasn't being considered for any other. NBA or college coaching job, head coaching job. I, I don't understand it. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I, I feel don't like they, they were just, I feel like what kind of happened is they, they went for the big names because they, they, they went for Chris Holtman was a big one. And Chris Holtman told them no, as he should. <laughs> as he should. Yeah. And I feel like this is definitely a hire. They just kind of settled on. I know it does feel that way. Doesn't you know, it? Like, it feels like they were pretty much like, you know, throwing out bait for the big fish and then they reeled in like a sunfish or something like that. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) this really is not that impressive of a hire. I mean, yeah, he's got an Indiana roots. He played there if I'm not mistaken. Um, He played, yeah, he played there from 1976 to 1980. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got that going for you, I guess, but I mean, beyond that, I don't really get it <laughs> i just don't no, get don't it know. you know what i mean unless that was the best they can do in which case that's pretty sad that the you know the university of indiana that has had so many glory days in, in the sport of basketball and even you know not too long indiana ago they has were won a anything 30 years yeah true but you know <laughs> they, you know they've, they've been they've been good and you know it's it's such a you know that state is just you know loves their basketball and that school loves their right. basketball so it's a shame that they couldn't really get anybody better, but yeah, that's, I guess that's just the current state of affairs for Indiana. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out. I also don't. And think I it's think that's out. the, uh, I think that's the consensus. on Cause I remember when Archie Miller got hired, everyone was like, Oh my God, like this, is the home run hire, this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hadn't seen a head coach hire before that be so universally agreed upon that this is going to work out until now yeah until then. when now everyone is saying oh this isn't gonna work yeah true it's pretty funny how I that mean, how that changes i mean they might be they might be trying to make it so like you know thad mata or mike woodson thad mata is kind of like a juan howard phil martelli situation could be but i don't think that's gonna work 
No, I don't think so either. Because Juwan Howard is actually a good basketball coach. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, true, true. So um, there was one more coaching thing. I'm about to say, I forgot to mention this to you. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, with, with the Oklahoma vacancy, with Lon Kruger retiring, I don't yeah, know if you I... caught this, but um, Jeff Goodman also tweeted earlier today, two of the leading candidates for that job are Loyola Chicago's Porter, Porter yep. Moser and North Texas's Grant McCaslin, excuse me. Um, so those are both, I think, I think one is certainly superior to the other there. I would but, agree. Um, yeah. That would be quite the hire for Oklahoma if they could land. Po- I can never pronounce his name. Porter Moser. Porter Moser. Porter Moser. Kind of a that would be a, It is. It is. Um, but yes, that would be a slam dunk hire for them. Uh, I, I think that if he could, if, if Oklahoma could land him, that's that's big time because, you know, we kind of mentioned this on the last pod how you know if if he stuck around Loyola Chicago, he could maybe possibly build something like Gonzaga. But the problem with that is he. I feel like he's pretty much used up all the talent on right. both of his teams that he had runs with, you know, I right. mean, Cameron Kurt was so, like a someone, someone's going to back up the Brinks truck for him. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, yeah. It, whether it's, you know, Oklahoma or another power six school, somebody's going to do right. it because he is a very attractive name with what he's been able to do with his loyal Chicago teams in, in the tournament over the past few years. So um, yeah, whether it's Oklahoma or another school this year, or even next year, maybe I would be, uh, he's going to get scooped up at some point. Right. Um, so yeah, that was uh that was the one other thing I did want to mention. Um, I don't know if you caught that uh, earlier, but yep. That's uh, yeah. I guess that's the fun coaching carousel, silly season. There's all, there's, there's, this is like the busiest uh, one in a while. It does feel like it does feel that way. It does, for sure. We still got, we still got a handful of, openings i mean we got obviously north carolina oklahoma you got texas tech open now we got utah state open now that um craig smith west for utah um we have a bunch of them at the at the low major level hofstra is still open um i mean that's one of the better jobs in the northeast in terms of low major i love george mason hiring kim english uh, that's mm-hmm. a really good hire in my he, mind. He's, got, and he's, he's gotten a lot of transfers. I don't know if you caught that. Yes, um, yes. English, like I, it seems like every time I'm scrolling through Twitter, it's transfer portal. So-and-so is committed to George Mason, you know? So um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's doing work already in early in his tenure. <laughs> um, DePaul brought in Tony Stubblefield, uh, the assistant from um, Oregon. I don't know a ton about him. Um, he had a stint as the interim head coach at New Mexico State about 15 years ago, 14 games. I don't know a lot about him, um, but we'll see how that one goes. But, yeah, this has been a really busy uh, coaching carousel. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, we will now, we can now move into the NCAA tournament. We have a final four. It is Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, and Houston. Yeah, man. I like I, it. I, I like I'm, it. I'm fine with it too, man. I'm fine with it too. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest story of those four has got to be UCLA. Right. Um, they have gone on an unreal run from the first right. four all the way to the final four. The second team to ever do that, go from mm-hmm. the first four to the final four. BCU in 2011 did it. Yes. So, I mean, it, it's so 
just hilariously unexpected that the Pac or excuse me, the Big Ten has zero Final Four teams and the Pac-12 has one, by the way. That is so funny yeah. to me. Shout out Bill Walton. <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah it's 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 just it's it's really unreal it really is unreal because I mean I think a lot of people thought that the winner of that Michigan State UCLA game could potentially win a game or two but I don't think anybody in their sane mind unless you're extremely biased thought that they could potentially go this far right (laughs) um uh Johnny Juicing has been fantastic for UCLA he's really really I mean, I don't want to say carry that team, but he's been probably their leading player in, in this run so far. Um, it, it, it's been fun. Mick Cronin has done a heck of a job, by the way. Yeah. He is and I mean, really killing it. I mean, to your point there about Mick, like, I mean, this is a guy who lost his best player in Chris Smith um, in December. He had a five-star point guard decommit last year uh, in Dacian Knicks to go to the G League. And so, I mean, that's two guys that they were relying on having um, this year. And they had one of them for eight games. They didn't have the other at all. And like you said, Johnny Juzang, uh, Jaime Jaquez, Jules Bernard. Um, they have all been guys that have stepped up in a big way. Like, I didn't know a lot about this UCLA team um, coming into the tournament. Admittedly, I mean, they're a West Coast team. I, I'm on the East. We're on the East Coast, obviously. <laughs> so their games are super, super late at night. Uh, I don't get to watch them too much. Um, but, yeah, like, this has been a really fun team to kind of learn about and watch as this tournament goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I agree with you. I think uh, it's 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 just crazy, man. It really is crazy. Like I still am having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that you know this is where we are. That you know you had right. all those teams, um, you know, in, in the Big Ten. Like I know I just kind of talked about this, but I'm gonna talk about it again just because right. it still boggles my mind. Like you have all these teams in the Big Ten. And the entire year, it's, oh, it's a dog fight. The Big Ten, I mean, it doesn't get any better. And, I mean, we we agree with that. Like, we talked about that, like, every right. week how crazy the Big Ten was. And, right. and how it was at the time throughout the regular season, the best conference college basketball. Yeah, and here we are. We're chilling with team from the American, team from the Pac-12, and a team from the West Coast Conference yeah. in the Final Four. Um, it's it's really it's really just crazy. It really is. But, um, yes. Yeah, as you alluded to, this UCLA run has been incredible. All the credit in the world to Mick Cronin for... I'm thrilled for Mick Cronin. This this is his first Final Four. Uh, You know, he's been a mainstay in college basketball for the past 20 years. Mm. And uh, he's finally in the Final Four for the first time ever. I'm thrilled for him. He deserves this. Yes, I'm I'm in agreement with you you there, sir. 100% agreement. So, uh, they will face Gonzaga who is still steamrolling through this tournament. Uh, they beat up on USC in the Elite Eight, 85-66. Uh, their closest game in this tournament was still the Oklahoma second round game where they won by 16. Um, it's, ju- it's just yeah. them in the field, man. It really it is. is. It's them in the field. Like, I, I really – I don't see – maybe Baylor that's I, I think I think, I, I, I really think we're gonna get that Gonzaga Baylor final that we 
have wanted all season. Yeah, true. I think we're going to get I think it. so too. And with that, with that said, I do think that Baylor poses the, the biggest threat to them yes. of any team left in the final four. I still don't know if they can beat them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's right. Oh my goodness, man. It's, they're just so good. Every single player that they play consistently can get you a bucket at any given point. Like, right. you know, they, it's pretty much like, you know, for, I think I pretty much said this last week, you know, for a fact, they're going to put up at least like 80. So right. it's really Without just a matter of like, yeah. So can you keep up with them? And if you can't keep up with them, can you get the big stops down at the end of the game? You know? So, right. I mean, I think back to the BYU game in the West coast conference final where BYU pretty much did keep up with them. Right. For probably 80% a lot of, of game. that game, right. you know, and they were leading for a good chunk of that game. And then, when it came down to it, they couldn't get the stops. Gonzaga just turned it up a notch and still won by double digits, even though that game was way closer than 10 points. So Right. And I, and I want to bring up that offensive standpoint because I want to um, take a step back and go talk and um, just say something about the UCLA-Michigan game. I mean, UCLA is a team that plays defensively. I mean, Michigan is an offense-driven team, and they had been all year. And – UCLA put themselves in control of that game by, you know, forcing Michigan to miss a lot of shots. Michigan was missing a ton of shots at the rim. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the final score of that game was 51 to 49. Yeah. And I think potentially Michigan could have given Gonzaga a run for their money um, in the final four. If they had gotten there, obviously. Um, But I mean, UCLA, force themselves upon Michigan. And I think that's kind of what you have to do to beat a team like Gonzaga is force yourselves on them yeah. for lack of a better term. Right. And can UCLA, I mean, UCLA just did it against Michigan. Great. But can they do it again against a team that's even better offensively? Mm-hmm. I don't think they can do it. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, it's really, I think, they're going to have to set the tone early in that game. Um, you know, I think in the, in the Michigan game, you pretty much knew within the first 10 minutes, this is a, this is going to be a slug fest. Like this is just right. going to be a defensive, you know, uh, you know, obviously ended up 51 49, but like you pretty much knew in the first half, you know, in, in, in those first like 10 minutes or so when it was like, what, like eight, five or eight, four, right, or something like, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? In like the first like six, seven, eight minutes of the game. So you, you kind of got the vibe that, it was going to be a defensive slugfest. If they can kind of set the tone early and potentially, I don't think they will, but say they can potentially hold Gonzaga, you know, below 30, 35 in the first half. I think that is a major account. If you can be within like five, six, it's say like you're, even if you're down like 35, 30 at halftime, right. That is a major win for UCLA. UCLA right. is in a better position and, and than probably any team. striking distance. Exactly. And that's the key. If you can hang around, who knows? Maybe you get lucky. Maybe you hit some crazy threes down the stretch. Maybe you get, maybe they miss some open shots. You know, the, the key is really just for UCLA, if you can play your game, play that defensive, that defensive game, keep yourself in the game, pretty much stay within striking distance the whole time. And as much as I hate to use this term, pretty much just get lucky. Um, right. You, you, you have a chance, you know, you, 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 there is, they do have a chance, but I mean, <laughs> I think Gonzaga, if I'm not mistaken, 
Yeah, fourteen point favorites. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, but but at the same time, I could see this game being a thirty point blowout. Yeah, no, I, I could too. I mean, I'm literally just trying to be the glass half full guy for UCLA right. right now. I don't actually think that that's what's going to happen. I think this is probably going to be. I think Gonzaga probably covers. To be honest with you. Right, and I, and I mean the, um, the, the two teams Gonzaga played this weekend, Creighton and USC. Creighton's a good team. Gonzaga beat them by eighteen. USC, really good team. Andy Enfield did a hell of a job with them this year and just throughout the rest of the tournament. They lost by 19. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's just incredible, man. Like the, it, was, the, it was a 20 the, point game. Is... It was a 20 point game at halftime. Yeah. In Gonzaga, USC. Yeah, that was a blow. It, it was 36-36 in the second half. It was 49 to 30 yeah. at halftime. And I think that could potentially end up being another game like this. But like you said, at the same time, I think it's very possible that UCLA um, hangs around with them and has it within five or seven points um, at halftime. Do I think that's going to realistically happen? Probably not. Yeah, no. But I don't... do I think it's possible? Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's possible. I I will say I think it's possible. Don't think it's likely. That, that's my kind of right. my final verdict on that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I guess we can. Move to the Hop other over to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Houston and Baylor. A little Texas uh Texas, Texas battle. Man. We got a Texas battle and a West Coast battle. Yeah, true, actually. <laughs> true. Um, I don't know if you saw this. This they somebody said that by centralized location, like of the four schools, this is like the farthest west, like all like of all the final four teams. Like this is like I don't know how to describe it, but like the, the the final all the final four teams, this is the most west, you know, they have all been like by combined location. Like there's no east coast schools, you know what I mean? Which is which is just yeah, kind of there's, a, there's almost always an east coast school. Yeah. Right? You, got, you know, you'll got you'll have like a Villanova, you'll have a Duke or a North Carolina mm-hmm. or something like that, or even like a Michigan. Yeah. Um but yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I kind I, of figured it was out. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of teams like out in the west in this final four but yeah, yeah. it's not shocking honestly mm-hmm. yeah but anywho uh there's my random stat slash whatever thing for the podcast geography. yes big fan of geography <laughs> anyways houston baylor um this obviously has the potential to be the better game of the two um right. i think that baylor should be the favorites i think they're yeah five point favorites which i think is fair um i think that's fair I really Houston has played a Houston has played a double digit seed every single game of their every single game of this tournament so far. Mm-hmm. I know Cleveland I was State, just gonna, was I was gonna 15, point that out. Rutgers was a ten, Syracuse an eleven, Oregon State was a twelve. Claps for Oregon State. Yes, good job for them. Good run. Great run. Um, yeah, I mean they. I mean Oregon State. So much credit to them, and they kept it a game with Houston. Oh yeah, they did. Um, I mean it was it was pretty bad. Or in the Maybe. early goings, but they came back. It was, it was bad. It was at tied with like five yeah. minutes to go. That was, right. a, I mean, was a valiant comeback. Lots of credit to them. For sure. You know, lot, lots of credit to Oregon State for what they did. It had been a lot of fun watching them for the past couple of weeks as they, you know, like we said, they were like, what were they, 10th in the um, pack over eighth? And they steamrolled their way through that tournament and then they go to the elite eight that was a lot of fun to watch the oregon state team a lot of credit to wayne tinkle um for what he did but houston moves on uh they like you said they'll play baylor um 
I'm not sure if Houston, I, I think Houston has a chance here. And, and it depends on, again, like Dejan Giroux, um came back. He didn't play, he played well um, against Oregon State. He had 10 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Really good game for him. Against Syracuse, he had nine points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Um, and that was after he played hurt. He missed. Uh, he played one minute in the Cleveland State game and was obviously in pain in the Rutgers game. Um, he definitely looked a little better um, this weekend, but, you know, you kind of look for him to take another step up against Baylor here. So I think a lot of this game is going to depend on him. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. Um, I feel like the story of this Houston team has just been their offensive rebounding. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah, they absolutely. really, you know, I don't know if you saw that stat, but it was pretty much saying how they're pretty much like hundreds, two hundreds in terms of, you know, two point, three point field goal percentage. But they're the, 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 ch- the fact that they get so many second chance points and so many offensive rebounds and just the energy and the hustle they're, that this team they brings. They are 192nd in the country in field goal percentage. Yeah. Exactly. Seven percent. Exactly. I mean, it's it's just crazy that a team that shoots that inefficient is in the final four. But it really just comes down to the hustle, the energy, the offensive rebounding. Right. Like that. That's pretty much just been the mo of this team. And I mean, you know, as you said, I mean, with Jero, um, you know, him coming back from injury, that was a first round game of or a sec, first second round game. Yes, it was. It was, a, it was a first round game. It, yeah. it was a first round game. He got hurt. He came back in the second round game. Right. And obviously not a hundred percent in that second round game against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And right. And he still came out and, you know, put his heart on the line and, you know, helped win that game. So it's, it's, it's really just, I, I would say that's kind of just, the biggest thing that this Houston team has going for them is that if they can kind of, you know, kind of similar to UCLA, if they can set the tone early, grab a few boards and just kind of show their presence on the glass early on in the game and just keep that going throughout the entire contest, they absolutely have a chance to win this game. Like 100%. Um, But I do think just on paper, even court, Talent five on five, Baylor is, has the better side. I, I will right. say that. I think they definitely and, have much more talent. Point, and to your point about the rebounding, I mean, they, this is the team that had 19 offensive rebounds against Fergus State. So, yeah, they need to come out. They need to jump on that early. Maybe even get a couple offensive rebounds in the first few possessions of the game, set the tone, and maybe carry that through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be the key because – you know, with, with Baylor, they have so much talent at the guard position. You know what I mean? With Masio T, Gabion Mitchell, right. Jared Butler, like they really, you, you can rely on any three of those guys to hit some outside, outside shots or make plays right. in the paint. You know what I mean? Like all three can score, all three can make plays happen. But with that being said, if say two of those guys kind of have an off night, you know, I it's going to be tough for Baylor on the glass, obviously on, on the offensive and the defensive end. So if they're not scoring and Houston is pretty much just killing them on the glass, I think that's probably going to be the recipe for, you know, for Houston to succeed, but right. just again, going back to what I pretty much was just saying with UCLA and Gonzaga, I don't know if that is necessarily what's going to happen. I think that that is possible, but I don't think it's likely. I really think that right. Baylor will be able to score 
it's really going to come down to what can UCLA do on the glass? Can they hit shots more consistently? You mean Houston? Oh yeah. Houston, excuse me. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's going to, yeah. What it's going to come down to with Houston is, you know, can they hit shots consistently? You know, a guy like Quentin Grimes, you know, what, how much can he put up for you? Can he give you like say 25 points on the big stage? You know? Um, yeah. But I do think that this is certainly the better game of the two. Um, right. I will be tuned in. Fingers crossed that it, that it is a goodie. <laughs> right. And and I wanted to bring this up. What did I say? Houston was 192nd in the country in field goal percentage. Baylor is 18th. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, there, there's quite the discrepancy there. Yes, um, absolutely. And I think that's another thing that kind of plays into it. Kind of what you were mentioning earlier with them playing double-digit seeds. I mean – you look at, I mean, Syracuse, you can say, oh, yeah, I mean, they, they were shooting the ball so well and blah, blah, blah. They did not shoot it that well against Houston at all. You right. know what I mean? Like, that was a big part of, of why Houston was able to win that game was just because the magic kind of ran out for Syracuse. The threes weren't falling. Right. And they really just could not get any offense going against that Houston defense. And on the other side of it, Houston was pretty much smoking them on the glass, you know? Right. So. It's, it's really just, I mean, I feel like I'm just kind of a broken record at this point, but the glass, the battle of the glass is what's going to keep Houston in that game. I just don't know if it is going to be big enough to where they can win it. You know, I think that's right. my I, I, I agree with that. I'm not a hundred percent sure if, if just the rebounds are going, I mean, uh, and also Baylor is a team who makes their three pointers at over 40%. True. That's another oh, big side of it. They, they lead the entire country, man. And Houston, Houston is the team that shoots well um, from three as well. Uh, they are, uh, I said, 41% for Baylor. Houston is 35%. That puts them 98th in the country. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's a discrepancy of 6%. You know what I mean? You take another – you take 100, Baylor's going to hit six more than you do. Mm. Um, right. Yeah, so I – like, like you said, I don't think um, Houston is going to win this game, but I think they have a shot. And like what you said, they have to shoot well from the three-point line, probably better than Baylor, and outclass them in the rebounding uh, category. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. Um, and I so, think they have to do oh, both sorry. of those things. I, I don't think they can do one or the other. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, that's – for sure. For sure. I, I definitely agree with that. So I think the way it's sounding, you have Gonzaga Baylor in the final. I, I, I also have Gonzaga Baylor in the final, or at least that's what I believe will end up happening. Right. So with that being said, say we do get Gonzaga Baylor, what are you, what are you going to be looking for in that? I mean, that, that's going to be a game that is completely dominated by offense. I could see a game like that being, being played in the eighties and that's again, you know, 80 or 85, you're going to have to score that to win it. Um, but I think, I think these are two teams that match up well together. Um, we, we've been kind of saying all year, like um, that we think Baylor is the only team in the country that can beat Gonzaga. And, you know, we might end up getting that, but I do think um, Gonzaga wins that game. I think they will, I, I guess I'll call it out talent Baylor uh, for lack of a better term. I think, I think Gonzaga just has more guys than Baylor does. I mean, Baylor has 
the three guys at the top with Mitchell, Teague, and Butler. Um, but Gonzaga's got five of them. <laughs> Gonzaga has five of them, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have five of them. Timmy, Kispert, Suggs, Ayayi, and Nemhard. Um, who that's the best starting five in the country. I don't care. Oh, 100%. 100%. You got to be smoking crack to not think that that's the best starting five in the right. country. Um, I do think – I also just think Baylor is – I mean, hold on. Let me let me pull up Ken Palm. Let me let me make sure I'm not talking on my ass real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure enough. Uh, Gonzaga first. Uh, first in offensive efficiency. Baylor third. Gonzaga fifth in defensive efficiency. Baylor twenty eighth. So yeah. Sure enough. Gonzaga's got him on the defensive end of the court by just a smidge. Um, right. So yeah, I think. I think it's going to be another one of those things where it's just like this, this is going to be the game. I think for sure. I think, I think if I could take any game for the championship, it would have been like heading into the tournament it would have been Gonzaga, Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois. So I'm glad that right. as of right now, obviously anything could happen. We still, we still have a couple weekend. games to go. Yeah. But you know, if you go by the Vegas lines, you go by who's favored. It's, it's likely we'll get Gonzaga Baylor and say we do get Gonzaga Baylor I lean, I lean towards the Zags, but yes. I do think there are more avenues for Baylor to win this game than a Houston or UCLA, for sure. I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I have Gonzaga as my national champion. Yeah, <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> uh, <coughs> oh I want to jump back to the other side of the bracket real quick because I want to talk about Alabama. My goodness, guys. The free throws. Oh, uh, my God. Man, that was ugly. That, that was that was hard man. to watch. That was hard to watch, man. I, uh, and it sucks because like it's guys that normally hit too. It wasn't like they were sending like right, you know, fifty percent shoot. Like they were sending like 60, 70, 80 percent guys. You know what right. I mean? Like you would think you would get at least more than you know. Like, hold on, let me. I gotta pull up the numbers. I, mean, I want to say they shot guy, like, a guy who makes his free throws at seventy one percent when two of seven. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, total they were 11 of 25, which is 44%. Just awful. awful that, that's awful, terrible. Awful. That's terrible. Um, yeah, I there's just no excuse for that, man. I mean, you deserve you, you deserve to lose a game if you're going to shoot 44% right. from the free throw line. I mean, it's just not it, you you can't you can't do that and expect to win games, especially in the NCAA tournament. I mean, credit to them. The fact that that game went to overtime and they shot 44% from the line is impressive in, in, right. in of itself. Um, but I mean, when I was watching that game on Sunday, I was, I was in the mindset of, yeah, like I want to see Michigan play Alabama yeah. in the elite eight. But I, I was watching, I was like, and I, I, I was like, okay, like I, I want Alabama to win this game. And I was, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, like, I'm not even upset about Alabama losing because they don't need, they didn't deserve to win the game. Yeah. They deserve to lose the game. <laughs> True. And they did. Yes, they did. Yes, so. they did. I mean, yeah, that's, that's tough. And you know me, like, I'm a, I'm a big NATO's fan, you know, with right. the Buffalo connection, you know, love that right. guy. But I, you know, you kind of feel bad. You feel bad for him. You feel bad for the players because, I mean, that's, that's such a heartbreaking way to, way to go out losing on free throws like that. You know, I mean, I guess it wasn't like, you know, you lost like in the last second because a kid missed a free throw, but right. You know, at the, you go in the locker room, you know, for a fact that free throws, missed free throws lost you that game, like hundred percent. Right. So, you know, it's gutting, but at the same time, like I said, you can't, 
miss that many. You can't miss 14 free throws and right. expect to win a game. You know, right. the fact I mean, they were still in it was impressive, but no, it's just not, you can't do that. <laughs> I mean, and I, they, they took advantage of UCLA not having their best shooting night. They shot 39% from the field. Alabama shot 43%. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it comes back to the free throws. And I'm watching the camera, I'm like, do, they, do these guys even practice their free throws? Because that's just, it should be an easy thing, but they were just struggling with it so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won the rebounding battle. Um, Alabama turned the ball over a lot, though, so I will say that. Uh, more than UCLA did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a game that Alabama absolutely deserved to lose. And lo and behold, <laughs> they did. Yeah, true. Very, so. very, very true. Um, so we, I do want. Oh, wait, hold on. I do want to say before the Alabama thing. I saw somebody on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but they just they they made they made a pretty, you know, a pretty crazy claim. But okay, I could. I think that there is like a five percent chance it happens, but I think that there is the small small chance it could. NATO's North Carolina. Ooh, no. <laughs> Yeah, no. Nate Oates has um, a buyout of about ten million dollars, so that yeah, should I know. be. I was about to say that's that's, uh, that's that's shut and close. I know. The second I saw that, I was like, right at that. that would be cool, but also there is like a negative ten percent chance of that they pay that right. buyout. But um, yeah, I thought that was kind of uh, thought that was a bit funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do not think that's gonna happen. Um. Yeah, see, potentially Tony Bennett, but that's got um, – I don't think Tony Bennett's going to happen. I've seen uh, – I'm looking at a, a CBS article right now. Billy Donovan. Um, Billy Donovan. That would be, be interesting. Interesting, uh, for sure. For him uh, coming back to college. I think that's more likely that – I think Billy Donovan going back to college is more likely than Brad Stevens going back to college. And that's just with any mm. um, job opening – True. Uh, I've seen I've seen Matt Painter be thrown be thrown around the head coach at Purdue. Yeah, that would be. I a, don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, that would be a weird one. I feel like Matt Painter really hasn't like. I mean, he's been number one. He's been at Purdue a long time. He's and number two, coach. he's a good coach. He's been at Purdue a long time. Yeah, but, but I just don't know if he's like a North Carolina coach. You know what I mean? Because right. like he really hasn't. Well, I don't. I want to say he hasn't done anything at Purdue. Like he's had some good runs, but you know he hasn't. I don't know. I I could maybe I'll, I'll say maybe on that one. That that's a firm maybe for me. Right. Um, also, speaking, I was just browsing Twitter. Apparently, Roy Williams will have input in the coaching search. So, um, that's an interesting little tidbit that could kind of um, kind of hint towards keeping it. You know, the, the assistant coach. Um, blank on his name. You just said his name earlier. Um, from Carolina. Hubert, Hubert Davis. Yeah, Hubert Davis. Thank you, Hubert Davis. Um, I mean, if Roy Williams has input on that search, I suppose that that could maybe potentially be something if he just wants to, right. you know, say, oh, well, just you know, just promote him, you know. Um, yeah, I think uh, that that is certainly going to be the big job that people are going to be looking out for over the next few days, based off what they right. say. They're, they're claiming that they're going to move fast, and this is hopefully going to be a quick process. So, I mean, we'll see how long it takes, but that is, uh, that is going to be, not only is that going to be the big 
the big job. That is going to be the big, probably new coach to watch next year because right. they are going to be on the big stage. They are going to have, you know, a very, very large fan base following them. So that will be, that will be, a, those are tough shoes to fill. Is basically what I'm trying right. to say. Those are tough shoes to fill in North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I do want to hit on a couple small things um, before we go. Um, East Tennessee State, I don't know if you saw this, East Tennessee State head coach Jason Shea um, resigned earlier this week over um, supporting his players kneeling for the national anthem. Um which is a really unfortunate thing. It sounded like what happened was some um, GOP members in Tennessee um, went um, went to the Tennessee University, the, the universities in Tennessee, and said, like, hey, we don't support this. And um, the controversy ended up kind of swirling around Jason Shea. And because he supported the players kneeling and he ended up stepping down earlier this week. That is, if all of that is true is very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't be that way. No, but it should not. Unfortunately, that's, that's the way it is sometimes. Yeah. I did. I did kind of see a bit about that whole yeah. situation. That really is a shame. Um, again, I don't know for sure if it was ever confirmed. If that was the reasoning. I don't know if they ever will come out and say point blank. That was the reasoning. But um, I guess I guess the, the players told um, set it says I'm looking at an ESPN article right now. It says several East Tennessee State men's basketball players say they are convinced the resignation of their head coach this week was because he supported their silent protest of racial inequality before games this season. Oh, well, there you have it. If so, that is the case, that is very, as you said, very disappointing. That's a shame, right? Um, you know, obviously East Tennessee State, you know. They, uh, you know, they, they, this was this is his first year after this Steve is his first Forbes, year, right? right? Because Steve mistaken. Forbes left for Wake Forest um, a year ago. Yeah, so I mean, I know they weren't a great team this year, but they I went mean, thirteen and twelve. Yeah, you know, they were they were about five hundred. So, I mean, it's not like they were awful. You know, it's no. just it's just it's 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 a shame that that has to be the reason. You know, with that evidence and the fact that that's kind of what everyone kind of alluded to from the get go, um, it's kind of definitely disappointing. That's a really, it's a real shame. Right. It said a letter signed by all 27 members of the Republican caucus in the Tennessee Senate called on university presidents across the state system to enact policies to ban encore protests. It said the famed University of Tennessee women's basketball team knelt during the anthem on January 7th, one day after the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. So oh, man. that's in that same ESPN article. There you have it. Yeah, that's, that is a shame. Yeah, really, really disappointing. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is. Um, one more piece of news, and this is um, some Canisius related news um, that broke last night. Majesty Brandon has entered the transfer portal. Um, there's actually two pieces of potential Canisius recruiting news. Uh, the other one is, or the first one is Majesty Brandon entering transfer portal. Um, he will be a grad transfer next year. Um, this was kind of a surprise to me because I kind of thought he would be back next year. Um, obviously, you have the extra year of eligibility among for every single player. So he has one more year of eligibility despite him being at Canisius for two years uh, after being in JUCO for two years. So, yeah, kind of surprising there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'd agree with that. Um, you know, with him being a grad transfer, I think that that's also kind of noteworthy. So he kind right. of isn't really taking, you know, the extra year of eligibility. He's more just graduating and then moving on. Um, right. So I think that that, you know, I, I guess you can say that's a bit noteworthy just because that's kind of, he, he had both options and he chose the, you know, the transfer portal, transfer portal route. Right. Um, which by the way, the transfer portal has just been Insane. on drugs this entire Yes. I mean, what, what, what are we up to now per uh, oh, verbal God. commits? Their last, see. their last update was four hours ago. Over 1,140 players are currently in the transfer portal per uh, verbalcommits.com. Wow, that is insane, man. Oh, my God. That is that is wild. Right. Holy smokes. I mean, I guess this is just the, you know, the world we're living in right now. Um, you know, right, with, the, I mean, with the whole... I mean, it's a perfect storm with guys having an extra year of eligibility. And uh, that they're dropping the uh, the sit out for a year. So I mean, the sit out has always been to discourage players from transferring. They get rid of that, and now we've seen so 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 many players transferring mm-hmm. uh, from their schools now. So um, yeah, I know it's pretty. It's pretty much just becoming free agency. You know what I mean? I mean, I imagine. Is. I mean, I imagine that the whole you know you get the you get the free free transfer you don't have to sit out i'm imagine that will switch back in the near future i would have to think i would think so you know what i mean once kind of covid relaxes and you know there's less stress about all that i would have to think that, that will relax but oh oh man right. this is just this is crazy absolutely crazy another another piece of canisius recruiting news that also involves transfer portal uh, this tweet came from adam zagoria um to call molson has entered the transfer portal and apparently Canisius has reached out to him about potentially coming back to the Griffs. That would be that'd be quite the reunion. I'll put it that way. I, um, I think it would be. That would be that would be a very interesting reunion. Him and Malik Green on the court together would be a lot of fun to watch. That is true. That is a fact. Um, I mean, I don't know other than Fafano who you'd have playing the two guard or just you know scoring from the guard position but right i mean that would be quite the fun duo for sure um yeah man that's that that would be crazy that i don't know if that will happen i would be surprised if it did but that would be pretty crazy <laughs> yeah it said a bunch of um that a bunch of schools reached out and the tweet says or i'm about to name off a ton of schools here canisius robert morris uic James Madison, Georgia State, Manhattan, North Texas, LaSalle, Radford, Niagara, and Florida Atlantic. And he also said that returning to Seton Hall is also an option. That's so that's a lot that's of schools lot that of are schools. interested in him. That is a lot of schools. <laughs> um, so, that's, that's just crazy, man. I mean, so. the, just this whole transfer portal thing, like I was saying, it's basically just free agency. It's, it's really, right. really crazy. I mean, like, I'm, like, looking at some of these players, like, on this list that, like, Marcus Santos Silva from Texas Tech, he popped in an hour ago. Joseph Yusufu right. from Drake, he's, he's in there from two hours ago. Adam Miller from Illinois is in there from two hours ago. Um, Did you see uh, Joe Pleasant is in there? Yeah, Joe Pleasant from Abilene yep. Christian. Oh, man. Like, just the Amir number Wright is in there now from Washington. 
Oh my goodness gracious, man! So like, many. It, it is basically free agency. There's so many big names here. Chris Austin uh, from Arizona State is in there now. Like you said, uh, Marcus Santos Silva. I mean, we could go on and on and on yeah. about the number of players that are in there. But yeah, it's it's crazy. It is. It's so. This is the world we live in now, I guess. <laughs> it is. It is. So. Oh man. Um. Yeah, I, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't blame uh, you. Just because there's that, so many. That would be, be a long list of names. That would be a long list of names. That would be a long list of names for sure. So, um, All right, well, I think uh, we've kind of already done our yeah. predictions. We pretty much said, yeah. you know. So, yeah, Gonzaga-Baylor national title game. We think Gonzaga will be the national champion. Yes, that, that, on that is correct. Well, I suppose so. we'll probably have – our season finale next Probably. week then, I would think. Yeah, I'll say next next week will be the season finale. Uh, so this is the second to last episode of the year. Dang, I'm going to so. cry, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that will be – so are, are, are you ready to wrap up? Because I'm I ready to wrap up. I, I got All nothing right. else after reading through a 1,000 names in the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah. So – that will be it for this week's episode of the Talk and Smack podcast. My name is Aiden Jai alongside Adam Gorski. Good night.